0: Happy three years in one week.
1: Oh my god, we didn't address it at all, did we, last week? Did we say anything?
0: We did. I think we said this is three years, didn't we?
1: Oh, maybe. I don't know. I forget everything that we say immediately after we recorded. This
0: was a long week because it feels like the last time we were together recording an episode forever ago, even though it was only a week. Ages. We are joined by a special guest today. We do. We
1: have a new mascot. Phoebe's out. (laughs) Xander is in. We are babysitting my stepkid's puppy Lab. He's big, he's black, and he's um, such a lover boy. And he's a year old, but he is the size of a fucking horse. Um, And he's currently chewing up a toy. He will settle, but he's kind of dumb, and he's so sweet. He's like a floppy little drunken toddler. Um, but he's going to town on this little stuffed animal froggy thing. So if you hear any strange side noises, it is Xander. A new dog. A new dog. Phoebe is not join- joining us right now. I feel like she might make an appearance, um, or Xander might lose his shit, and we might have to get up and let him out. So just a fair warning. Would you have a puppy in the room?
0: <laughs>
1: he, You would never know he's a puppy because he's literally bigger than me. He's <laughs> massive. I had him stand up and he's literally the same length as me.
0: Is he really? Yeah,
1: he's... Yeah. Wanna see? He might even knock me over. Up! Up! Come on up! Up! You can do it! Yeah! Oh, look at the baby! Look at the baby! Look at the baby!
0: almost as tall as you you're yeah, right
1: he's like four and a half feet i would say long like <laughs> i'm five two by the way for the listeners we've already addressed that i have five nine energy if you're confused that is why okay
0: so um so let's anyways. just jump into it let's make today quick because okay. i know you're feeling sickly
1: yeah last week i had fucking jaw issues from having cra- my first crown and i'm feeling okay currently at the moment but the last, I would say like 50 hours. I uh, I've been still try 50 years. <laughs> but the last 50 years. <laughs> this is the first time I've been able to speak without coughing. I did drug myself up a bit, so that's helping. Um, but uh, yeah.
0: Is there a way to make him lay down?
1: Yeah. Eric, is he stressing you out? Yeah. Settle. Settle. Lay. good boy good listeners
0: boy. this is what three years of podcasting will do just <laughs> not even talking to you guys no. anymore you're just in the room while you things asked are happening me to,
1: and then you didn't say anything while I was doing it but yeah you're right but he's a good boy He's he listens real good he just has got a lot of energy and he will settle good boy that's right he are. just decided that he settled, but he wasn't settled next to Skylar, so he reevaluated. He got up and settled <laughs> right next to Skylar.
0: I have good energy. Okay. Are you. <laughs> I want to know if you have any of these. Okay. These are the five personality traits that will spell relationship doom.
1: I love this conversation. <laughs> it says
0: it's by a man named Anthony Smith from Psychology Today. Clearly. And basically this article says narcissism isn't the only rena- relational I record.
1: fucking hate you right now, by the way. What? Are we talking about narcissism?
0: No. It says, basically yeah. this whole article is about how there's an overemphasis right now on narcissism when there's so many other terrible traits. that <laughs> we- <laughs> Yeah. Basically this author is just sick of hearing about narcissism. It's just sick of <laughs>
1: <laughs> Get over it. It's fine. Nobody listens to this fucking podcast, <laughs> anyways. It's literally our friends. They're fine. <laughs>
0: We're just living our lives. And literally, while if you want to listen
1: to this? It's like you're in the room with us, where you're not here for quality content. Y'all know this. And if you're new here, you've already clicked off and you realize it isn't for you. So, <laughs> buckle up, bitches. If you're still in it to win it, it is what it is. Okay.
0: Would you agree with this author's sentiment that he's just overhearing about narcissism and he wants to hear about all the other ways people are terrible? I
1: love that. Yeah. I
0: totally relate to that. I'll
1: try to identify with as many as possible.
0: So these actually made me laugh
1: because
0: <laughs> these are the key points. Perfectionism. Okay, me. Dependency. Pervasive negativity. Blah, blah, blah. Or other personality characteristics that take a corrosive toll on relationships. Like narcissism, other characteristics are inflexible and not likely to change just because a partner conveys that they are problematic. Many with personality pathology don't enter treatment because their defensiveness dictates they see the problem as being everyone else. I laughed at that. Uh No need to get treatment when everyone else is the problem. You're the only one. Literally,
1: everyone else should get a fucking.
0: Everyone else should get treatment. Yeah. It says nowadays. No, I'm
1: actually like in therapy, so that doesn't qualify. But I do Mm. joke. We do joke.
0: We do joke.
1: We do joke here. Sometimes.
0: So, nowadays, with narcissism in the spotlight, it seems most people's radar is tuned for spotting pathological self-absorption and controlling jealousy streaks in their new relationships. So, like, people have, like, a huge bank knowledge now of, like, what to look for for, like, you know, things like narcissism and, like, controlling Mm -hmm. and, like, boundaries and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But they don't understand, like, all the different ways that people can be awful. Mm Mm-hmm. Because there's this big emphasis on just this one way. So, Mm -hmm. some. I think this article is kind of implying that there are some people out there that think that if their partner isn't a narcissist, then everything else really isn't a problem. That's the only really big problem.
1: Yeah. And I think that there's a lot that can overlap with narcissism, and I'm not like a a perfectionist. Hey, hello, hello, sir, excuse me, Earth Dizander. We're trying to film a podcast here and you're slurping up your paws. It's like a lot. It's just like, it's different than when Phoebe does it. It's like an actual horse. I'm going to need you to settle.
0: It's me at the trough. Yeah,
1: I'm going to need you to settle.
0: So while it is wise to be savvy to the signs of like malignant tendencies, it's been my experience over the years that there are several other personality characteristics to be aware of that will signal doom.
1: Okay, great.
0: Are you ready for this? Love it. One, dependency. What may begin as an endearing tendency to defer to your wants, not not unusually, uh, blah, 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 inability to make any decisions in the relationship. Like, I don't know, what do you want to do? I don't know, what do you want to eat? I don't know, what do you want to listen to is the answer to every question involving a choice.
1: Libras, Cancers, and maybe Taurus people. (laughs)
0: Each, Each decision they need to make must get run by you for approval or to verify they aren't somehow making the wrong decision. I can't see you of ever having had this problem.
1: No, I will say I become rel- more reliant on people, but I wouldn't say it goes so far as like feeling like dependency is an issue. Mm. And it's more so in ways in which
0: because this one's like not dependency in the typical sense. Like this isn't talking about financial dependency. This is like yeah. pure emotional dependency. <clears throat>
1: Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, the, the experience that comes to my mind that I struggled with recently with, with this is that I know that I depend on George to lead me with directions or when we're in a situation where there's like time frames at hand. So like if we go to, a, uh, let's say, really traveling was the big one where I like got super anxiety. The first time I had to travel by myself Without George, because George and I travel a lot. Like when I had to go to the airport, get on a plane, do that, like I had a literal anxiety attack, like an actual anxiety attack that I haven't felt in years. This was, I think, over two years ago when this first happened. And I was used to either traveling like with someone at work or someone else where I could be like, hey, what time, where do we have to go? Like double checking. And I'm really not good with direction at all. We've talked about it on this podcast. <laughs> But I get very, very overwhelmed and overstimulated in places like airports, and so Mm -hmm. it's even like double whammy for me because I'm so distracted, I overthink things, like I feel like I'm always going to miss my gate, and I've always been reliant because George is so sure and always knows like where he's going and what we need to do, and so when we travel, I've just been so reliant and dependent on him to like... Navigate me, and I know we're gonna get to where we need to go. So when I had to travel by myself, I was like, I was fucking panicking.
0: <laughs> so I've traveled by myself quite a few times, yeah. And now and I'm okay, I, yeah.
1: I, I got used to it, but for a moment there, I was like, Oh wow, I'm really reliant, I'm really dependent. I'm just letting Xander out, oh, okay. Um, I'm really dependent on this person, and mm. I rely on them to like,
0: I feel lead like me. Once I get to the airport, I shut my eyes. <clears throat> And then I open them and I'm where I'm at. Like, I'm where I need to be. No idea what happens in the in-between. I think I just wander in a dreamlike haze until someone is like, Sir,
1: Yeah. (laughs) where
0: where do I need to take you?
1: (laughs) But, I mean, other than that, just the normal dependencies or, like, reliability of having a Mm -hmm. partner for so many years. But I wouldn't say it's, like, a make or break thing. Like, if I have to, when I do, I know how to... I I like time alone and I know how to be independent.
0: I think that people, like, I feel like I'm the person that defers, but it's not because I think people could see that as dependency, but it's more like whatever happens, I do not care. Like, where we go, I do not care. What we do, I do not care. Mm. And usually I'm in relationships with people that really do care about those things. Yeah. And so, like, I just want to do what they want to do. Because, like, it's more annoying. Like, I'd rather not do what I want to do than hear someone complain. Oh
1: my God, that is the biggest fucking textbook Libra moon thing I've ever fucking heard in my whole fucking life like
0: I would like I
1: would rather suffer than inconvenience no somebody else in any it's fucking not way. even I
0: don't even care about inconveniencing people anymore just hearing people complain about something minute to me it just I can't
1: well you live with me so I don't know how you do that
0: <laughs> no but I mean like like, let's say someone... Let's say I'm like, let's go to the pita pit. Okay. And the other person... <gasps> pita pit. I fucking love the pita pit. Oh, my pit. God. Who and then we it? get there, and I'm loving my pita pit, and the other person's uh-huh. like, ugh, no. I just... It's just so grating on my ears. Uh-huh. Especially when it comes to small things like that, that I would rather just go where they want to go. Because I get more irritated at at things like that than I get from happiness from doing what I wanted to do. <laughs> I don't you know what that says about me.
1: exactly what I said. I would rather be less happy so that you are not inconvenienced.
0: No, it's more like I don't want them inconveniencing me with their unhappiness. Is that wrong? That's
1: saying the same thing in a different way.
0: Yeah, but it's not that... Their
1: inconvenience is inconveniencing peace at any cost. People, other people not having peace gives you unrest.
0: Yes, it so does. So you would
1: rather... Sacrifice peace for yourself, anyways. I know but to keep them peaceful. I think people so should
0: realize, though, that like when you're describing Libra Moon, like peace at any cost, because we truly care about peace. No, it's because like other people are so annoying.
1: No, that's your Virgo.
0: Oh. <laughs> okay, I have no idea. Yeah,
1: you just don't know. It's like <laughs> so
0: it says people with such dependency in relationships seem to come from families where independent thinking was frowned upon. And I was like, they fear any decision they make will disappoint you, which could lead to you leaving. (laughs) Ironically, their actions tend to produce you leaving. (laughs) (laughs) That made me laugh. That's you. (laughs) So it says chronic yielding to decisions and opinions early on is a harbinger. Is it harbinger? Is that how you pronounce that word? I've I read that word so. my whole life. and I've now always, you're
1: making me doubt it. In
0: my whole life, I was like, is it harbinger or harbinger? No. It's got to be harbinger. It's yeah, I don't be. think it's...
1: I was going to say, what else is it? Now that is? I've
0: said it out loud, harbingers.
1: <laughs> Harbing- sounds fake as fuck. Sounds like an old, like, pharmaceutical, <laughs> like... Anyways. <sighs> blah,
0: blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So, yes, that made me laugh. Um, so, from this point on, I'm just going to make terrible decisions. Hmm. Like I don't even care if you I like the it. decisions I make. I'm just going to start making them.
1: Yeah, that
0: sounds about right. So, two... Passive-aggressive
1: behavior.
0: (laughs) It says, if you've ever given someone the silent treatment or were intentionally untimely for an appointment because you had a bone to pick and knew it would get under their skin, you've engaged in passive aggression. We've all done it at some point, even if it's just talking about someone behind their back. It says, however, people with passive-aggressive personalities exhibit a a vacillating pattern of passive aggression along with a more in-your-face assertive style. For readers familiar with the TV show Seinfeld, the character of George Costanza was a classic illustration of this. Now, I've seen Seinfeld. I feel like everyone's seen it. If you've ever had a TV in America growing Mm -hmm. up, you've seen an episode of Seinfeld. But I didn't know the characters well enough to know that part.
1: Um, I agree. I'm the same way. Like, I wouldn't...
0: Like, I, I know, know what Seinfeld's about and where it takes place, blah, 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 but I've seen never episodes, seen it. i
1: episodes, I'm, like, I know enough, but it's like, I wouldn't say, like, oh, it's passive-aggressive, that's the character I first think That's seen.
0: George Costanza! Yeah. Am I even had... saying that? Is it Costanza?
1: Costanza? Costanza. Um, I'm trying to think of, like, a more... It also is, like, a generational thing. Like, Seinfeld was the Friends book. Of the 80s? Yeah, I would probably say the 80s. So the Friends... There's, like, some overlap. Like, Seinfeld was, I think, still on when Friends... Friends was Anyways, but yeah. The, yeah, it's, like, the different generations of sitcoms of things like that, but, um...
0: Who, who do you think is in- a good fictional character that's an example of passive aggression? Oh, my God. <sighs> it's tough, because I can't really think of anyone that sticks out in my mind, like, where... Um, Kim Kardashian <laughs> yes. Actually all of the Kardashians literally
1: all of the Kardashians except for Courtney. <laughs> She's just
0: aggressive. aggressive.
1: <laughs> yeah, um passive aggression is
0: Actually Tina Belcher from Bob's Burgers is kind of passive aggressive.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. Um
0: I would say RuPaul
1: is passive-aggressive in his interviews. (laughs) When he walks into the workroom...
0: Oh, yeah, that's...
1: And he'll be like, so, do you think that, um, you're gonna have enough time...
0: To finish? To finish? That's an interesting choice. That's an
1: interesting choice. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Do you think you can make me laugh with that, though?
1: Yeah, yep, that's oh, oh, oh. (laughs) Okay, RuPaul is passive-aggressive. But intentionally.
0: Intentionally. Yeah,
1: comically.
0: Comically passive-aggressive because it strikes the fear of God into yeah. those girls. And you're like,
1: mm, I know exactly what he means, but he's not just fucking saying it. It'll, like, go to, like, I the... mean, sometimes he says it. Well, you know, you've got to make me laugh. <laughs> but that's still kind of a passive-aggressive because what he's implying is that you're not funny. You're not going to make me you're laugh. You're literally not funny. <laughs>
0: RuPaul just wants one thing. She just wants to laugh, and these queens never <laughs> fucking deliver. I
1: know. <laughs>
0: So here's the third thing that will spell doom in a relationship.
1: But do you think you're passive-aggressive?
0: I think I'm becoming just aggressive.
1: That's that's what will happen, baby. You live <laughs> with me long enough. Or rub off on you somehow, and if that's what you get, I'm not sad about it. I don't
0: know what happened to me, you but were... I woke up one morning and I was just aggressive. <laughs> <laughs>
1: The most passive aggressive motherfucker i would ever met, He's in a charming way, and all of a sudden you're like getting in fights at work. I'm getting in fights at
0: work. I'm you're getting in fights with my up friends. You're
1: yourself. You're fucking yeah. You're just telling just me people. Just so how our listeners kill. know,
0: I'm nearing my Saturn return, uh-huh. and I think it's gonna be my year of aggression. <laughs>
1: Saturn in Pisces is really
0: the year of aggression. I think I'm really going to learn what it means to be an aggressive Pisces.
1: Okay. (laughs) (laughs) see how that works out for you. Three, perfectionism. (laughs) Do you think I'm passive aggressive?
0: No, I think you're just regular aggressive.
1: (laughs) I've worked very hard at that, so I will take that as a compliment. Because passive aggressive (laughs) is like a fucking plague in my family and i, I just work. it's
0: also a southern thing it's just like it's a societal thing you know it is passive aggression is just more acceptable it than regular hard to aggression understand
1: it if it's around you all the time it just seems so normal like it, it doesn't
0: it doesn't you don't know you're being passive aggressive yeah
1: or other people it's hard to sometimes pick out when other people are being passive aggressive it's not as obvious as some of these other things and That's
0: why it's so much easier. You're right. It's just easier to be aggressive.
1: Yeah. And honestly. people
0: respond.
1: And you know what? <laughs> but you also have to understand that people are gonna think that you're you're. They're gonna say, oh, you're a bitch. You're mean. You're this mm-hmm. or that. And it's like, no, I'm saying the same thing that you're saying. I'm just not beating around the fucking bush about it. I'm or ab- I'm not talking about it behind your back. I'm, I'm embracing saying it to your face. just
0: like the cold, dead, unfeeling Virgo energy that is my son. Like.
1: We're getting you there. I wouldn't go that far. I'm there. Okay.
0: Every day the void pulls me closer.
1: (laughs) The void is me.
0: (laughs) So everyone, perfectionism can be pathological. (laughs) You know, because like people listen to this podcast and think there's no way those guys are perfectionists perfectionism can be pathological and lead to interpersonally controlling behavior individuals obsessed with doing things perfectly tend to rigidly adhere to rules details schedules and routines essentially they control their anxiety by controlling their envi- environment and people tend to get sucked up <laughs> into their vortex yeah you probably know someone who can't take their family on vacation without a minute-by-minute plan of what they'll be doing which is the nemesis of a relaxing time if you attempt to reason with the person that there's plenty of time and no need to schedule things so carefully, chances are you'll be met with a ridiculing, irritable reply that you don't appreciate they're trying to make blah 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 basically just I mean, people... this is
1: annoying because it's implying that perfectionism is only about planning something. Mm-hmm. Um, but That was just their
0: biggest yeah, example. Yeah, that was like
1: an example. I get it.
0: Cuz they also what did they also this mention? Is the only one that Rigidly I have... adhering to rules, details, schedules, and routines. This is the only
1: one that I have found that I have related to and that I have found not as a, a relationship killer in my current relationship, but it has been the topics of a lot of arguments in my past relationships and in and even friendships and, and family connections and things. But I find it more so with my own success rate in things. You know, I think we had an episode months ago where I talked about like, it doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be done. Mm-hmm. And like, I have Rippling like tendencies (laughs) for fucking perfectionism to where I will start something and I get really excited about it, but then as I'm doing it, there's such a like control issue for it to be perfect. Mm. And I also see this coming out with trying to, the my inability to control things is where like my. RBF like my RBFB or whatever my body repetitive focus behavior like touching my hair all the time picking my skin biting my fingernails like I will self groom or self unfortunately mm-hmm. like mutilate myself in an unconscious need to control something and it helps me feel like I am controlling something, so mm-hmm. I'm in therapy, it's something we go over a lot, but it really it comes down to the stem of perfectionistic tendencies, and trying to help the anxiety that that causes by controlling anything that I have control over, and a lot of the times it's like self grooming, or you mm-hmm. know, or it will enable, not enable me it will delay me from finishing things uh, or, like, a painting will take, that normally would take me, like, a month to do, will take me a full year to do.
0: Yeah. We'll let Xander right
1: And he was outside. Did you guys die?
0: So, How do you feel
1: about per- perfectionism? Did you, guys I, you know,
0: it's not really an issue that comes up for me. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but something that makes me laugh <laughs> <Both> is, uh... <laughs> Somewhere where I see that it doesn't play a role at all is, especially like with something like the podcast or something, I just like... just don't care? Yeah, I just don't care.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Listen up. Can you repeat that for the listeners?
0: (laughs) Make this dog sit down,
1: please. He's a puppy and I cannot and will not. He settled for me all day. Like literally he slept all day for me and I was doing my things and he knows that you're in here now. So it's like... (laughs) So, and I like seeing you get flustered. So
0: I'm just not going to look. If I don't look, it's fine.
1: Okay, go ahead.
0: So Imogen and I are both on Goodreads. Yeah. And uh, we're always reading books. Hi,
1: Imogen. We're,
0: we're writing reviews.
1: Oh. And like my
0: reviews are always like, I like book, book good. <laughs> book make me laugh. <laughs> yeah. And Imogen's book reviews start like, this charming novel starts out in 1920s Hertfordshire. You know? Like, she she likes oh to go God, all the I fucking way. It. And it, it makes me laugh, like, the different ways that we write reviews because mine literally sounds like a monkey got a typewriter and started <laughs> typing, like, good. I book. read books. I book read books for good. Book at pages. Book of pages. <laughs> I recommend pages to you. <laughs> and it's like, uh,. I kind of look across my life with that as the example. Yeah. And I feel like I've always had that feeling of it doesn't have to be perfect. It has to just be done. And I have to
1: consciously make an effort to do that. and I feel. like, I like to get
0: something done really quick and then go back and make it as good as I can.
1: Oh, I wish, I wish, I wish I had more of that. I really do. I admire that in you so much. Uh, yeah, I really do. So that's it. That, that one... And, I, like, I don't have any specific examples right now of how that has,
0: mm-hmm.
1: like, a good ones so that I feel comfortable sharing that that has been <laughs> a problem in my relationship. Well, that hasn't
0: ruined my life at one
1: point or Yeah, yeah I mean, but there is definitely, like, that is that is a topic that mm-hmm. spans over many of the years of my life in different areas.
0: So, um, furthering this perfectionism thing, it says, not only can such individuals be controlling your activities, but also your presence. Perfectionist people tend to hold the people around them to some sort of ungodly standard. The same ungodly standards that they hold themselves to Mm -hmm. and if you don't live up to them, you may expect put downs of being lazy, not trying hard enough, blah, blah, blah. No, I don't... It says, in effect, it's a communication that if you want to be in a relationship with them, you need to be prepared for their vision. For real. That you're part of my life, you're an extension of me, and you will be polished.
1: Well, that's a pretty extreme. I have a lot of people in my life who polish, are not fucking polished. You can't polish turd. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean,
0: well, yeah, you, you get can. It's hard enough in
1: the winter. You kind of yeah,
0: they kind of are shiny when the snow melts.
1: <laughs> Before the sun hits them, they're just kind of golden pebbles. <laughs> Four, oh, that's province. the best time to pick up poop, by the way.
0: Oh, when they're still hard, but when the snow, in, but the snow is melted. When the
1: snow is melted. Because they're hard. They're like little pebbles. And they don't fall apart. And they don't fall apart. And they're not melted.
0: So if this is the fourth thing <laughs> that's, have a that smells ever. doom. For, that smells... Oh my god, I'm thinking, <laughs> Spells doom for pervasive... Pervasive negativity. Why don't we just move on with You're that good. sentence? <laughs> yeah, i says, so much fun. Okay, I wait. I actually haven't read this far in the article, so... Imagine meeting someone...
1: <laughs> Sandra is like a fucking pig at a trough.
0: <laughs> Imagine... Can the listeners hear that? Even? I'm
1: sure. She's like... <laughs>
0: oh,
1: you're drooly, boy. No, no, you don't get... Don't come near me. I'm not my painting. Lay down. Settle. 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 Good.
0: Imagine meeting someone attractive... <laughs> And seemingly with the same sense of sarcastic humor as you. As you get to know them, the sarcasm isn't only in their humor. It's clearly a caustic, interactional style, another tool to exhibit their discontent. For instance, if you gave them a million dollars, their reply would be great. A million bucks. You trying to kill me? Do you know the amount of taxes I'm going to have to pay on this? Says you'll probably also notice they start to invalidate your struggles and seem to enjoy one-upping your hardships. You've been sick? I got food poisoning at my favorite restaurant, and I can never enjoy a meal ever again. <laughs> I didn't sleep for 24 hours, and was dehydrated, and was so delirious I couldn't drive. Um, so, Oh, wow, that was a really long example. This person just yeah, kept going on and like, on. They
1: were specifically triggered this, by This a, person uh, yeah. like
0: relived something and typed out the whole thing. <laughs>
1: They knew what they it's were says
0: It's as if, as noted in 2011 from a study, that suffering is seen as something noble, permitting them to feel special, like an elite. Such depressive personalities see the world through a gray lens at best, and being the ultimate example of misery <laughs> will do their best to slip those glasses over your eyes and drag you down with them as a partner in commiseration. Pervasive negativity is usually indicative of depressive personality. And then there's another article he links to. So, I don't... Especially in like specifically in like romantic relationships, I don't see myself as pervasively negative, just regular negative.
1: Yeah, I'd agree with that.
0: <laughs> right?
1: But are we all
0: just regular but negative? But you
1: packaged as a positive person.
0: I'm packaged as a positive person. But once and, you
1: really get in and a relationship, and once you get to know you, me, yeah, you realize, oh, this person could be depressive, but they're actually just regular. Depressed.
0: I'm just a regular depressed person. Yeah. Do you feel like you are a pervasive negative
1: person? <laughs> <laughs> no but I do find that it's sometimes hard for me not to one up people and I constantly working on this over the past few years and like being more self aware that like when I feel like I start to do it like if someone's telling me um I'm always insecure I shouldn't say that I'm always insecure that I'm you're you're just, I'm just riling doing him up motions. you're literally just riling him up um, he's little tail. He really is like, I can't love you. I'm always really insecure that when somebody is talking about something that they did or they've struggled with or they have, that um, I don't want to like dismiss it or. It's one yeah. thing to relate to someone and be like, oh, here's... I know what you're going here's. through. No, it's not even have to be, like, a bad thing. Like, mm-hmm. if someone's excited and be like, oh, my God, cool, me too. Like, mm-hmm. but I'm always like, wait, 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 no, I'm not trying to make it about me. You tell me about you. Like, I'm always saying that to my friends in conversation. I'm like, I'm sorry, did I just make that about me? I'm really trying not to. So, eat It might not be my greatest attribute, (laughs) but I do make a mental awareness and most of my friends would be like, no, that's what friends do. They share, you know, like you didn't make it about you. You're relating to me. You were here for me. You listened to me. But that is an Mm -hmm. insecurity of mine because I did have a lot of people around me in my life that it was always about them and then I was always told it's always about you it's always about you so it was a big insecurity of like mm. I'm not if I share anything about myself that
0: it's like why it's
1: like am I just like trying to one up a person or can I just like when, I noticed, is, when is the right time to share about
0: me so while while you were telling that story just now and uh in just about that person or whatever and it yeah. got me thinking that sometimes I don't share things about myself yeah Because in the moment, I can't remember like a thing. I can't remember a thing about myself in the moment.
1: Yeah.
0: Isn't that weird? Like I can't I one up someone's misery because in the moment I can't remember any time I've ever been miserable. You might want to get that checked out. I don't think that's something to brag about. I think that might be like a. I think I'm amazing because I have some, <laughs> some sort of actual. I have help. some sort of memory disorder, and in the moment I can't.
1: I am having early onset dementia, and that's why I'm a good person.
0: <laughs> you guys are welcome.
1: I can't one up you because I don't remember anything. <laughs>
0: i can't remember a single thing i've ever done it's like done.
1: that fucking old vine that's like you can't sit with us actually rebecca i can't sit anywhere because i have hemorrhoids do you know what i'm talking about i know
0: you talking about okay and the last one is push pull dynamics and playing the victim
1: oh my god okay oh <laughs> well this is this is this is worse to me than the fucking all the other pass. ones combined all of the other ones combined this is so unattractive to me in a romantic partner, in a friend, in a family member, in, this in a house, coworker.
0: None of us are victims in this house. We're villains. Yeah. I'm a villain, not a victim.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, no. That's correct. That this, is correct. I would say But I'm also the villain that's been wrong. Not like <laughs> the other. There are three members of this household and some Two
0: of them are villains.
1: One of them takes more of a victim mentality than the
0: other three. A, this is a trademark move <laughs> of many people. Being hypersensitive to rejection and abandonment. Um, People may perceive, for example, their need to reschedule. People like may see your need to reschedule a date night as a sign that you're not interested and will soon dump them. Enraged with the idea you would do this to them, they lash out before even before knowing the facts and make it seem as if they want nothing to do with you now. So like like you'll do something really random and they'll push you away. I guess this is the first they're doing the push pull dynamic. Mm hmm. So why, someone, so why someone whose biggest fear is abandonment would act so aggressively, thus risking abandonment, may seem vexing, but it's, it's no a mistake. Power
1: it's a power tool.
0: It's a preemptive it strike a big and a way to save face thing. in their mind. You didn't push me away. I got rid of you. Mm-hmm. More often than not, after realizing their overreaction, they try to re-engage you. I really like you. I can't believe you did that to me. I'd like to try again, but you need to understand that I'm not into playing games. And then gaslighting you with the victim card as if, they were the victim and you were the one that did something I'm wrong i'm
1: like so i'm s-
0: i know so it says triggered. unfortunately I'm there are so no guarantees triggered. they won't continue to do this anyone struggling in such a relationship is encouraged to read this book called stop walking on eggshells <gasps> oh to learn how to more successfully interact with friends or loved ones and the buddha and the borderline which is a book <laughs> Which is a book specifically Sorry, about people baby. with borderline personality disorder, and then given that borderline personality disorder is a very misunderstood diagnosis, yes. readers are also encouraged to peruse the post. Um, hey, there's a link to troubling, troubling myths about BPD, but it says that okay, you, good
1: because I don't. We haven't read those that book or those articles or anything mm-mm. to know that those are viable like resources for education exactly. on BPD. Yes, I,
0: unfortunately, like I have no choice but to trust the phd in psychology that recommended this so i'm psychology hoping that's good today
1: has never let us down before <laughs> they've never done anything <laughs> problematic
0: um so yeah i thought that was pretty sweet um i felt like um it's do weird. we just
1: have dead air and like look at phoebe wanting to come in but <laughs> 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 i wish we could record this because look at him Phoebe's like, "I'm fucking miserable. When are you leaving? I
0: fucking hate you. Like, I just want to come into my own house." I will
1: definitely post on Instagram as soon as this is done, pictures of Xander and pictures of how Phoebe feels about Xander on um, the Instagram. Speaking of which, podcast. Um, that is the handle, and you can check it out if you want to
0: and follow us. So, what is our timestamp at?
1: I don't know. Done. We've only had a half hour.
0: We could call it quits, or I could read you one more thing. What do you want to do?
1: One more thing? One more thing. Yeah, I just this burped one's really and quick. every single part of my dinner. I'm
0: going to try and get through this one in ten minutes, and let's call it... Let's-
1: <laughs> she thought she was coming in, and he, he sensed her, and she fucking shrugged away again, like, nope, I'm not here. <laughs> not now. this time.
0: Right. So this article is from an actual psychology journal. And um, the other one wasn't? No, that okay. was from Psychology Today. I can't remember what journal this is from. Oh, great. Anyways, it's called Rear Negativity. Uh-huh. Verbal messages coming from behind are perceived as more negative. This
1: is, that's what she said. all <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm going to say the whole
0: time. <laughs> wait, <laughs> wait now again. that I'm looking at it through this lens. <laughs>
1: Read it again.
0: Rear negativity. <laughs> <laughs> Verbal messages coming from behind <laughs> That's more negative. That's what she said. (laughs) So, this is the abstract. Many studies have explored the evaluative effects of vertical, like up and down, or horizontal, left-right spatial locations. However, little is known about the role of information that comes from the front or back. (laughs) Basing our investigation on multiple theoretical considerations, we propose that spatial locations of sounds is a cue for message valence. Such that a message coming from behind is interpreted as more mess uh, more negative than a message presented in front of a listener, and I learned today that emotional or message valence in psychology means the emotional weight we give to something that happens. Okay. So we all, we learned something new today, listeners. Emo- uh, va- uh message valence.
1: Okay. Anyways, That's
0: cool. so and then there's this there's this whole concept I'd never even thought about. So. While it is possible to cut yourself off from visual stimuli by closing your eyes, it's impossible to completely block out incoming auditory stimuli. So in the physical domain, what people hear often prepares them for and helps them uh, interpret what they will see. So the content of the message that you hear is the most important part of interpretation, but it's not the only one. Because people keep changing their spatial position relative to others, social auditory signals reach us from various locations some messages come from the front (laughs) this occurs during face-to-face interactions which allow listeners to follow speakers eyes facial expressions and gestures providing valuable information about motivations intentions and traits however sometimes people do not face someone when they're speaking and this occurs when they need to watch what is in front of them or unable to turn around basically this whole article is saying that when someone is speaking to you the way you interpret their message is going to be different based on where around you in 360 degrees they're standing you'll perceive the same message
1: so directly having, to
0: your left then you'll perceive you'll perceive it differently than if they say it if they're right behind you
1: so like having a conversation that's difficult with someone in a car might not be the best bet because you can't really face them if they're driving
0: no, driving? actually, this article mentions that, especially when it comes to men, men have the best conversations in cars because they don't have to look at each other.
1: Oh, God, men.
0: And I was like, oh, my God, that's so true. I've had like my best bro conversations in the car. Just like looking forward. <laughs>
1: no like no direct eye contact
0: and so it says basically well, one of the reasons that this is interesting and a reason that it's important for us to understand this is because there are people with disabilities that don't have the option to turn around and oh, look at people what? like that's while awesome like, while you're talking to them so they really want to understand like the best position they to can
1: communicate to
0: communicate in like people want to know where oh my they God, can that's s- so cool where they can stand in front of a person to best present information yeah so that's perceived as less negative it just says there's a million good reasons for us to know spatially where the best way to deliver messages and it kind of also goes on to talk about spatial metaphors like they did a study where um, if you gave a word like optimism on a screen if you put the word optimism at the bottom of the screen it took people longer to explain what optimism means that if they, than if you put the word at the top of the screen So, like, if you put...
1: Oh, my God. You're speaking my fucking language. I love that.
0: So, if you put positive words at the top of the screen, people naturally look up for inspiration. And because you're looking up, you're pre-primed for inspiration. And then your brain is pre-picked to go ahead and explain positive words. So, that means when they put a negative word at the top of the screen, people had a really tough time really quickly defining the word. Because they need that word to be at the bottom where, like, things are lower and things are worse.
1: synesthesia shit. Like, I right. It.
0: it was really interesting. And then I also said that like we also like spatial metaphors take up our whole language because mm. like your future is in front of you and the past is behind you. But obviously the past is not literally behind you, but we do have a spatial sensation. Like when we think of the past, we almost literally feel it behind our bodies. But that is just a you metaphor. You know what's so
1: weird is I feel it to the left.
0: And it does mention in and, other and cultures. I feel the
1: future to the right and not... Future in for- in front of me, past in the back. <laughs> uh, I I feel like the past is to my left and the future is to my right. I don't know if it's because I'm right hand dominant or so I like lead with my right side mm-hmm. and I follow. If you with were my left-handed,
0: left handed, that would most likely be different because this article mentions that people that are Mm left-handed view things towards their left as more positive and things towards their right as more negative Mm. and people that are right-handed view things towards their left as more quote-unquote negative in the past blah blah blah. so i
1: basically like psyched into the whole article
0: you're psyched yeah you're basically psychically in tune with this entire article already so this article goes on to hypothesize that there is something called a rear negativity effect (laughs) Such that verbal,
1: <laughs> verbal
0: messages coming from behind a listener are perceived as more negative than identical messages coming from in front of a listener. In the butt. So I, my first takeaway was: if you are delivering someone bad news, do not tell it to the back of their head, because it'll double the bad news essentially.
1: Wow. It says there's I feel like m- I fucking hate you. Say it to their face.
0: But if you really wanted to hurt someone, make sure they're facing away from you when you say yeah. it. Yeah. It says there's something about spatial awareness of things behind us that are just imminently more threatening because we literally can't see them. Mm -hmm. So our brain is already primed to be listening and know that something is behind us.
1: It makes sense when you think about it. It doesn't make sense. it's not something that I'm consciously aware of on a day-to-day basis when I'm communicating and I might be a little bit more now that I've heard it.
0: So one of the studies took place in Poland and they played clips of people speaking Chinese behind people. Like, mm-hmm. specifically Chinese in a language that none of these people knew. Mm. And they had to guess the feeling that these people were having while they were talking. And if people heard it coming from behind them, they were like, these people are really angry. These mm. people are really upset. Um, like, they're fighting about something. Like, they thought that... Like, the more they had to listen to something that was behind them, the more, like, sinister it started to feel. Know, yeah. But when people were just... Uh, hearing the recording coming from in front of them, they were like, it's just a normal conversation between two people that could be talking about anything. But when it was played behind people, it was scary.
1: Crime. Wow. And I
0: thought it was really interesting. And, like, they started to get, like, almost paranoid. It was mm-hmm. weird. Wow. And so... blah 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 blah. so one illustration in the social domain concerns demonstrations of an association between high vertical position positivity and like the like what we already talked about
1: did you punch something
0: did i punch something
1: yeah why does your knuckles look like that
0: oh you mean like why are they dry crusty and bleeding and red
1: just on the front too where you would punch something
0: you know me just punching
1: yeah (laughs)
0: No, it's just the dry weather. Okay, ripping me to shreds. All
1: right. Well, you did say you're becoming more aggressive. I just wanted to tune <laughs> into like how much we've tipped the scale into.
0: I just turn into the Hulk at night and roam the streets. So before we consider more complex factors, it is worth noting that emotional significance of objects provides cues for allocation of attentional resources needed to cope with them. So danger cues quickly activate survival circuits. So when something is behind you, it automatically activates survival circuits. So there's really not even a way to get around this. Like, okay. Even if you primed your brain to know that something is going to feel more threatening coming from behind you, there's not much you can do.
1: Instinctually, like it'll
0: just continue to feel threatening. Mm. Blah 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 blah. So, so sp- why
1: do I like it so much better from behind? You? <laughs>
0: Specifically, <laughs> the neg- you
1: know what I mean. People, you know what I mean.
0: Um, the negative construal of rear location derives from <laughs> its current or past association with perceived lack of control. So, saying. moreover, we propose that this association of negative valence with rear location is moderated by personal relevance of its content. Blah, blah, blah. Thus, besides the spatial location of a message source, the mere knowledge that the stimulus is personally relevant influences processing of a valence. So, if something is happening behind you and you already know that somehow it's relevant to you, it becomes immediately more threatening. If there's sound happening behind you and it's not relevant to you, even if it is... So, something you can hear something behind you that is scary and threatening, but yeah. you know it doesn't involve you. You won't feel scared. It says, it's only when you know that somehow it's relevant to you. Mm. It's, 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 which seems kind of obvious, right? Like right? if you know something bad is behind you and you also know that that something bad is relevant to you, it's scarier. But, um, it just says sometimes your brain is like always primed to be thinking that everything is related to you, blah, 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 blah.
1: Yeah. Like when you walk up the stairs, but there's no one behind you, but you feel like you're going to be attacked.
0: Yes, exactly like that. <laughs> oh and then also it kind of studied like people with their eyes closed and voices Mm -hmm. it says analysis of the manipulation check question showed participants correctly indicate messages locations and gender of speakers regardless of experimental condition so like they did they played a bunch of people like different languages with like um different types of voices like male sounding voices female sounding voices and they played them like in 360 degrees around the room and it said people could almost like with exact precision like point to exactly where a speaker was which sounds obvious but it just says that the amount of spatial awareness we have is really impressive as humans like we can really we have like a full range around us well i
1: was telling you a little bit about that fascinating book I took a pause on it because I got a little overwhelmed with the other books I was supposed to be reading <laughs> because I was reading this one for just like my own you know my own self and wanting to learn um it's like see what I'm saying is the title of the book and it, I was mm-hmm. listening to it on audible and I want to go back to it now that i finished my book club book um with my grandma's book club where I also run an astrology book club if anyone's interested it's over on patreon we're starting a new book there but however And there was a whole chapter about spatial awareness that I was just geeking out about and it was talking about you know humans and how we echolocate and how people who are blind use clicks and the clickings of their tongues to be able to do things like riding a bike and knowing the spatial awareness of a tree or a rock or a sign by making certain sounds with their own voice and knowing and and hearing and training themselves to know the spatial awareness between them and a certain object and what kind of an object it Mm -hmm. might be and it was just really fascinating and then the author went into teaching you exercises you could do so that you could learn how to do that and essentially like echolocate um by like you know making noises and stepping near a wall mm-hmm. and trying to stop at a certain space away from the wall and then you know they had experiments where they put people in gyms and they had a moving wall and they told them to like click or make a sound with the wall right in front of them and then they had to click and had to guess where the wall was moved to mm-hmm. and things like that and most people, people were able get to get it, it very quickly and very easily and it's just crazy to think if you really did train yourself how to to work and to act and to to navigate like that
0: interact with your senses with the world around really, you really cool so let me break down these last three parts of the study because they were all interesting and they all kind of explored something different so the main, the first study, study one, Polish subjects interpreted Chinese sentences as more negative when presented behind the listener. In study two, Polish subjects evaluated feedback from a test as indicative of poorer results when the results were presented from behind or around, not in front. So in, in the second study, people were presented with, with results from like a personality test. Yeah. And they were meant to be neutral. Like okay. everything that was said to these people was neutral they weren't good, they weren't bad, they are just neutral but if their information wasn't presented right in front of them, if it was like off-kiltered a little bit, and especially if it was presented behind them they interpreted the results as like extremely poor instead Whoa. of just what they were, neutral and um, in study 3, Polish subjects evaluated Chinese sentences as the most negative when they were played from behind and when they supposedly described the group so, in the last study, they, they were playing pe- people speaking Chinese.
1: Yeah.
0: But they also told the group, these people are talking about Polish people. So, oh. they were primed to know that they were talking about Polish people. And it but they related didn't know what, to them. They didn't know what they were saying, but they knew it was related to them, like I mentioned earlier. If you know something is related yeah. to you. So, when they played it behind, and, and again, it was, uh, they made sure that these sentences were all n- neutral, it was facts about poland they weren't yeah. actually talking about the character substance of polish yeah. people the chinese sentence says like poland is a country in eastern europe blah blah blah, blah, blah stuff like yeah. that and if they played it behind they were like these people are shitting on us so hard like yeah. i can just tell and and like the more you started getting closer to the periphery and then mm. right in front the more positive they started to think that the things were which is interesting yeah how just where sound is coming from while you hear something can impact how you experience something
1: you know what's so funny every place i've ever lived i've always thought that my neighbors behind us like somehow even if i didn't know them or never met them i always felt like they hated me (laughs) and the people on the street i always wanted and had a need and like thought that the people like on my own street that i the house was facing I was like, "Oh, we don't know each other, but we're okay. We're friends. We're, like, cool. we're cool, at least."
0: I I kind of know what Do you're know saying. What I'm saying, like, I always like feel a, like the people that live right behind me are more distant than the people that live right in front of me. Yeah, for no reason. even if
1: I'm standing in the literal backyard right next to someone, I'm like, "Oh, I can't talk to them. They like, they won't." Want they me. live like, behind they me. They Literally, don't like me. Like, we're different people. We're on different streets. You face like, away. Like they don't, they're annoyed by me or something. Whereas like the neighbor across the street takes out their garbage, I'm like, hi, you know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So specifically, perhaps when people hear a message, they activate a metaphor. And as a result, evaluate the information as being more unpleasant, dishonest, disloyal, false, secretive when coming from behind rather than the front. Our results suggest that reasons for the rear negativity of verbal information go beyond simple metaphorical explanation. So there is, like, the metaphor part of it where we see things behind us as, like, in the past or potentially scary out of sight. Like, the metaphor reasons. Okay. And then there's also, like, the actual brain chemistry reasons. Oh. So there's, like, a multifaceted part to this. And I just thought that was all really interesting about how... Absolutely. Just the angle that words come to us.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Same information for everyone, but literally where in the room the sound is hitting what you. Is
1: so crazy too to think about it's crazy to think about like okay the example that just came up and maybe because it's like literally right on my computer screen Mm -hmm. but like okay I used to have therapy sessions in person with my therapist or my counselor and then when the pandemic happened when I moved across you know country whatever we wanted to continue so we moved it to zoom and even sitting in a room with somebody, you're facing them just like you and I are, but there's still ways in which to dis- disengage or to turn or to be looking away or to be looking down or whatever and hearing the information different. But whenever I'm listening now to my therapist or we're having a conversation, I always have your headphones in. And no matter what way I look or I turn or I face, even if the information feels like if I were to have my headphones in and I turn completely around,
0: it sounds It still the same.
1: sounds the same. And I feel like, I don't know, there just might be a difference in the directness of having Zoom client relations or, you know, mm-hmm. therapy sessions or things like that where the sound comes directly into you your know, ear You like, holes. okay, getting... There is something to say about getting a tarot reading in person with someone where you're feeding off of the energy in the room. You're directly there. You can look them in their eyes and, and it's palpable... But there's also something to say about being able to take in a reading and putting headphones in and the messages directly going from the computer to you and to in, in your ears is like pros and cons to everything. And I was just thinking a little bit about that as well. Not like only in person behind, but like the difference that headphones could make. You like know the I mean?
0: next time you're on a Zoom call, you're just facing away from them. <laughs> they just see the back of your head and you're just talking like normal.
1: I like I don't have a word you said.
0: I have weird negativity bias, and I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm working on that right now.
1: All right. I just, like, choked a little bit. I'm sorry. I'm not feeling so well. Um, actually, I'm, I'm feeling better, but I think it's the drugs. All right. So, Thank we're going to close supporters. off. I wanted to give you guys my Louise Hay affirmation. And every time you do your affirmation, at the end, you're supposed to say, in the butt. So, here is... Uh, our affirmation for today. I communicate clearly and honestly. People can trust what I say is true in the butt. That's it. And I'll just give you one for tomorrow. This day is future. I create it. No. (laughs) Wow. All right. I'll give you Wednesdays. I can't read that one. I remind myself that every experience in my life is an opportunity for growth in the butt. (laughs) so wednesday remember that so true. so true so <laughs> true thank you so much for listening to this week's episode um and skylar will you thank our supporters my brothers
0: thank you as always to julie c anna m heather a Alyssa s rebecca pk Teresa d dominic b melanie w Catherine l jesse d david b and karen r as okay. always, you can find us on Instagram at Speaking of Witch Podcast. You can also post in our Discord. You might be the only one in there for a day. But someone will get back to you. Maybe. Maybe. You uh, can also go to anchor.fm slash speaking of which and give us money. If you wanted to. <laughs> this
1: is point, yeah. After
0: today's podcast, I'd understand if you didn't, but if you wanted to, <laughs> if you wanted to help pay to soundproof all of our rooms, make oh them puppy-proof, that'd be cool.
1: Yeah, that would be super cool. He's passed out, though, and he's... Ca- oh, never mind. He's risen. He's risen. <laughs>
0: he's risen. Oh, yeah, <laughs> and risen. happy Easter, everyone.
1: Happy Easter. Happy Ostara coming. Happy spring. It snowed here today. It snowed here
0: today, so happy spring.
1: Um. So happy... Yeah, so happy spring. <laughs> um. The last thing I was going to say was... Um, Skylar and I have opposite charts. What I mean by that is he's got a Pisces rising and I've got a Virgo rising. So whenever there's planets transiting a house, it's going to be transiting his opposite house. And whenever there's eclipses, they're taking place in the same houses as us, but at opposite times. So this year, our eclipses will be taking place in the third and the ninth houses. Um, But, you know, the first one will kick off in my ninth house and the first one will kick off in your third house and and vice versa. Mm -hmm. for them so on and so forth. And one of the things that the third house I connect to very much is like things like a podcast because it's like communication, it's education, it's uh, it's early learning, siblings, things like that. Um, It feels very much like podcast energy though. Mm -hmm. Um, And so who knows? Eclipses bring great beginnings, great endings.
0: (laughs) What the fuck? The most ominous shit I've ever heard in my entire fucking life.
1: i <laughs> fucking leaving you guys with that. Support the podcast. According
0: to astrology, this is the podcast last year. <laughs> no, i just
1: uh, just. I think it's actually. Or we'll be
0: speaking of which 2.0.
1: I feel like we already did that. We got back to 1.0, so now yes. we might be in. We might be skipping 3.0? forward to 666. 5D. <laughs> Sixty nine of
0: which in the fifth dimension, man.
1: 69, man. I see great beginnings, great endings in regards to the way that we're communicating in the podcast is a big one of them. And information and stuff. So, who knows? Maybe big shifts will come and maybe nothing will happen.
0: It's my Saturn return coming up, right? So, who knows? You
1: have a while.
0: I've got months. Mere months. No, you don't. Months.
1: Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I don't know, how much longer till Saturn's in Pisces? Should,
1: should I pull up your actual chart and we'll tell you the, the dates? Yeah. Tell the listeners the actual dates. This one But you know
0: I'm entering the shadow period.
1: Okay. I don't really care.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I listened oh, so I patiently while you entered your shadow period.
1: <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> you literally came here the moment it fucking started. And then you were here <laughs> through the whole shebang okay hold on
0: oh my god what's it say oh my
1: god you've got pluto and jupiter and oh man i'm gonna die (laughs) you've got big eclipse stuff happening for you
0: this is so classic
1: um oh my god are you gonna give up religion are you gonna are you gonna get really, really like? You're gonna get preachy? What's happening? It's Give not-
0: up religion? That'd be interesting. You yeah. never know with me. I
1: don't know. I don't know. These eclipses, something's gonna happen. Are you gonna actually take like learning a language seriously, or <laughs> are you gonna? Find- <laughs> I mean,
0: just take anything in my life yeah, seriously.
1: Yeah, <laughs> talking about your Saturn return I was looking at the eclipses I couldn't remember where your planets were and you have Pluto and Jupiter in the ninth house where you're gonna have your eclipses
0: I didn't realize that there was even eclipses happening that were
1: okay well we'll talk about it later I guess let's go to your Saturn return oh wait I gotta do this first is this interesting for people Yeah, yeah actually I think this is interesting for people People want the tea. What's the tea, hunty? What's the tea?
0: Just drag me astrologically. Tell me what's going to happen. Oh, my God.
1: Well, you're not paying for my services, so we'll see what you get. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll tell you the exact... Only
0: give me doom and gloom.
1: Yikes. All right. Well, I'm trying to find the exact day. It looks like, and I can't confirm this because I don't feel like fucking going Absolutely, back but it.
0: just a rough estimate.
1: You're not going to have your Saturn return until 2023, March of 2023.
0: Are you kidding me? That's a whole year away.
1: Yeah, I know. That's why I said.
0: Shadow periods be like. <laughs> yeah,
1: I was, like I, was like, like, I don't know if I would consider this a fucking shadow period. I mean.
0: Oh, so I still have one year of happiness left.
1: Currently transiting your 12th house, so <laughs> I, I don't would say no. <laughs> oh,
0: that's great. Mm-hmm. Looks like there's a lot going on in there, the bottom there.
1: Half. There actually is a lot going on when you, <laughs> when you start your Santa return.
0: It actually, it looks like there's so much there's going on. Actually,
1: a concerning amount going on <laughs> in your first and your second house.
0: Oh my god. Um, Am I gonna have
1: a, a, ba- what did a you say? baby? No. <laughs> Why is that what you went to? Um, I mean, I guess you could, but that's not what this is about. The first house is all about identity. Oh, it's classic. It's about um, ego, the way that you Mm -hmm. um, view yourself, the way you start things, the way that you... It's really like... I I mean, the the first house is about the self. And um, in its opposition, the seventh house is about partnerships, relationships, and we. So that like one looks first a little house- empty.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> sure does. <laughs> oh, no. no. I'm just joking. So, first house is me, and seventh uh-huh. house is we, and so on and so forth around the chart. So, the second house that you see all this fucking Aries shit in is the second house of material possessions, uh, resources, finances, um, yeah, money and, mm. and a lot of the times, just like financial income.
0: Like I could become my rich money, my wildest dreams. My
1: money, my possessions. Where the eighth house, the opposition of that is your money, other people's resources, things like that. Looks simple. So sure does. <laughs> <laughs> this is
0: so fucking classic. <laughs> so
1: fucking. So um, but <clears throat> when you are having your Saturn, when your Saturn return begins, just so you know, Sky- Skylar has. Saturn in Pisces and it is seven degrees away from his ascendant so it happened he has Saturn in his first house and he is going to be having his Saturn return and it will transit his first house so that's why we're talking about things like identity self ego Um, Mm -hmm. a lot of the times the first house can signify the physical body so going through like an identity crisis or physical (laughs) changes of some sort Um,
0: I just get super hot like I get abs or something (laughs) I just, <laughs> I just. I just. Anyway, I get rich scalding. beyond my wildest I dreams, just, and I get abs. Best side of return <laughs> ever.
1: I just, I just swallowed scalding hot tea, so I didn't spit it all over my keyboard. Um, yeah. So what's interesting is is that you're gonna have the planet of jupiter when you start your standard return in the sign of aries Mm -hmm. so you're gonna kind of get a little bit of what's gonna happen here for 2023 the majority of the year jupiter's gonna be in the sign of aries so it will be transiting your second house of money that's kind of really helpful for things like income finances material possessions um Things that you own. What do I have? Uh, because Jupiter wants to give you expansion, luck, opportunity, growth. And Aries, the sign, is very um, quick. It's hot. It's it's a little bit uh, chaotic. But mm-hmm. it's a lot like a spark, like a flame, like a flash of things. So, um I would say that's quite helpful to have there. Uh, there's a lot of other shit going on, but I'm just gonna give you a little little positive note. But uh-huh. Jupiter is currently in Pisces, transiting your first house. Mm-hmm in may of this year it will move forward into aries and it will be there i think from may to october and we're going to get this sort of like preview do you remember me last year talking about when jupiter moved forward into pisces or moved out of aquarius and moved into pisces and oh back? yeah i do remember and that. then even before that you when got it that was a preview
0: in,
1: when it was in capricorn we had that grand conjunction during the pandemic with jupiter pluto and saturn all in capricorn and when Jupiter moved forward for a few months and got the what astrologers call like a preview, in Aquarius, we had all of the like had Black Lives Matter movement, we had Jupiter in Aquarius fighting for minorities, fighting for the underdog, the conversations, the opportunities, the um, energy was elevated in regards to that. So, same sort of thing is happening this year where Jupiter is going to give you sort of a preview of how this might affect you Personally, and also how Jupiter is going to be affecting us socially, economically, globally um, with its energy in Aries from this year, from May to October. So keep a little understanding of what's going to happen and how this affects you financially, I would say, um, and mm-hmm. empowering <clears throat> you in what you own, and what you have, yes, because absolutely. I do think it's going to play a big role in your Saturn, the beginning of your Saturn return. Because at, in October, it's going to move back into Pisces and finish what it started before it gets...
0: It you mean finish forward. me? Yeah, basically. <laughs> Just kill me off? I mean,
1: yeah. I would say... Um, oh, there's so much here. We're right also going to have the planet of Neptune, which is currently in Pisces. It will be in Pisces for quite some time, I think. Probably the majority of your Saturn return. So it's nothing new, but it's also, like, it's there. <laughs> <laughs> <I> laugh. <laughs> Let's see what your exact, your exact conjunctions are. And someone can write this down and then trigger us when we realize. Oh, my gosh,
0: yeah. Someone write these days down and then send them back to us.
1: Um, oh, wait, stop. I, oh, okay. Mm-mm. So your first, I believe, I again I haven't checked to make sure. Oh, okay. I haven't checked to make sure. Ooh. First actual conjunction at 8 degrees Pisces. Saturn at 8 degrees Pisces is happening on Valentine's Day.
0: <gasps> on 2024. Stop it! Why does everything happen to me on Valentine's Day? <laughs>
1: oh my god so of 2024 though that's your first exact conjunction your Saturn return technically starts when Saturn enters Pisces um because it's in your first house but it crosses the degree I was born but it's exact conjunction it's first one you can have up to I think three I think it could hit some people have one exact conjunction some people have two or three um, but your first one, we'll take a look, is on Valentine's Day, 2024.
0: We had a whole episode where I went over all the shit that happened to me uh-huh. on Valentine's uh-huh. Day. Uh-huh. C- Cross-country moves. Saturn all along. Many
1: breakups. Yeah. Okay. Well. Weird, huh? Weird, huh? <laughs> all right. Let's see when the next one is going to be. Um. So it'll be from... Oh, fuck. I keep doing that. But so... It's actually going to be 8 degrees Pisces from Valentine's Day until February 21st. So it stays 8 degrees.
0: So I've got a weird week there, potentially. Where it's,
1: like, exactly hitting that.
0: Mark the, day. the Okay. Actually, we're not going to forget that. Oh my that. god,
1: look at your 12th house on the, the day that it goes... <laughs> You have Pluto, Venus, Venus, and Mars are at exact conjunction at six degrees in your twelfth house. And Wait, you guys, oh,
0: a meteor is going to fall from the sky and squish me. You're,
1: this might be your mental breakdown. This might be your actual fucking, you're going to be like, I can't this do is this it. Anymore.
0: this
1: Yeah, this is it. This is it. Okay, anyways.
0: Or it could be a very exciting time for me. Like I said, maybe those abs maybe,
1: will yeah. show up. Jupiter is in Aries, so for sure. Actually, by this time, Jupiter is in Taurus in your third Jupiter house. Just,
0: Jupiter just flew all the way out of the way by then.
1: Okay. But anyway, so from February 14th to February 21st is your first exact hit. I'm going to go see if you have another exact hit. It should be because it's in retrograde. Let me just see. It's starting to retrograde. Nope, it went move forward. Uh, uh-huh. Okay, and it looks like it's over June 20, around June, or probably May 2025. But it do, it only looks like you have, I should just grab my ephemeris to make sure. This is going to be a long-ass podcast episode. Um, yeah, it doesn't look like, let me just go by weeks really quick. Oh, It doesn't retrograde back enough to hit 8 degrees. So that week. February 14th to the 21st of, um... By
0: December of 2014, things look like they've spaced out a little. Yeah. It's over. No. Does it look like I survived it?
1: Yeah. Oh, my <laughs> God. You're going to survive it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be a piece of cake. so good. It's me. Incredible, actually. hmm Um, Yeah it's great all right thank you for listening we've, oh, wow. we it's made it one. to an hour and ten skylar's anybody else uh with pisces coming up you have like a whole year
0: we've got a whole year like a
1: literal whole year relax because saturn and aquarius people are trying to finish up theirs okay so <laughs> let them have some fucking room um <clears throat> yeah there's a lot of things that this could signify that like I'm not going to tell you on the podcast.
0: Oh, that's totally fine. Okay,
1: cool. I love it. All right, thanks, guys. Bye.
0: Bye.